Thank you so much, Martin, for joining us at the Heaven Revolution podcast. No worries. I've nice. been wanting to invite you on here for a while because we go back from Brunel. Probably, <laughs> what year was we was we at Brunel? Was it? So, so I I am a bit of a vet because I I started in twenty I know two thousand nine. Mm. Um, I think we met maybe in 2010, 2011. Yeah, yeah, probably around. Lifetime old. Yeah, yeah, around about that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of things you did there. Like you was the student union president for two years in a row. Yeah. And you were, were you doing that while you were doing your law degree as well? Like, or was it after you did that? Or did you take a gap year? I can't remember. Yeah. So basically, um, so I did, I did the law degree for, for four years. So as part of that, I went uh, out, outside of the studies to, to work for a year at a local authority. Mm. And then in my final year, that's when I, uh, I uh, ran to become president of the student union. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but before that, I'd always been involved uh, in, in student politics, probably from like my second week uh, mm. when everyone else was partying. I was trying to get a meeting with the student president. So I'd always wanted to kind of like be involved in student societies and, mm. you know, see how I can improve the, the, the well-being of students. Um, not quite sure how successful I was, but uh, mm. that was definitely the aim. And I was fortunate enough and, you know, um, grateful that God gave me the opportunity to... To, to, to serve uh, for, for for two years um, and meet people like you as well. Uh, well, the pleasure meeting you too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we even go into um, detail about what we're going to talk about today, what I usually yeah. do is give a brief introduction on what our mission is at Heaven Revolution. Yeah. So, in summary, it's to establish heaven on earth through what we call the seven world kingdoms. And these are the areas in society we believe and know shape the modern world and how it functions. And these areas include areas of worship, family, government, education, economy, media and arts. Yeah. These spheres are so powerful in shaping how people live, how people think, you know, the things that influence and sway public opinion. Usually it's through these avenues that people and societies are formed from when they're born to when they leave this earth. Yeah. And so this is why we're so passionate about really influencing these through these areas because for a long time in the church what we focused on is mainly that worship element mm-hmm. which is just within the domain of the church or within the religious context. Mm-hmm. And whilst a lot of the work there has been good, you know, there's a lot of charitable work, there's missions and all of this stuff, what we've realised is there's an aspect of the gospel which needs to be made manifest on the earth, which can only be done through stepping outside of those confines. Yeah. And this is what we're doing when we're here at Heaven Revolution, you know, finding businesses, enterprises in all these areas, but mm-hmm. inspired by the culture and the glory of heaven, um, abiding within us through the Holy Spirit and then manifesting that through whatever respective gift we have. Mm-hmm. So, so that's in short our mission at Heaven Revolution. And it's all based on one key scripture, which is seen in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he simply tells them as part of the first few lines, he says, pray that your kingdom come, which is God's kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And essentially what God is saying is that the culture and the glory of heaven, where there's peace, where there's joy, where there's love and the problems and where the problems that are exist in this world don't exist, he's saying, pray that that type of culture be manifest here. Yeah. And in order for something like that to be manifest here, it first needs to be in us as individuals, in a, as in a culture. And we learn that through, you know, studying the word and just relationship with God and, and living for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's in summary what we're here to do. And so essentially the domains we're going to cover today yeah. are government and 
economy because you do quite a bit of work in the area of both. Yeah. Um, so we will talk a bit about that. But without further ado, could you just introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, just your journey career-wise mm-hmm. and some of the work you do at what I know as the African Investment Club. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't steal your thunder, and, but I will say a brief description of what I what I found it to be, which is you aim to leverage the collective power of Africans to harness and unlock the vast potential of African countries. Yeah. And that's quite a statement. So I want you to break it down for us so that the viewers and us can all understand what that means and some of the work you've already done. Yeah. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et so I'm. Um, yeah. Just the floor is yours. Sure. Thank you very much for that introduction. Um, so, um, like you said, so my name is Martin Zarinika. So, um, for me, I uh, work within the civil service. Uh, so that's my 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 day job, um, and I basically have been within the civil service for probably around four years. Um, so I firstly got into the civil service through the graduate program, mm-hmm. uh, which is called the Fast Stream. So it's essentially it's a it's a program which enables you to to work in different government departments for a period of time doing policy strategy operations um even going to like a remote island in scotland because i was based there for for six months uh so it was, it was a great experience and gives you like a, a well-rounded uh, opportunity to see the, the various things that you can do within our mm. uh, within the civil service so that's what i've um that's kind of how i went into the civil service um and after I finished, um, I then I uh, started working on COVID because uh, obviously that's kind of like the the, the big thing right now. Um, mm. So that's that's currently my my work, uh, advising on policy strategy and supporting uh, senior leaders in terms of uh, the fight against COVID. So mm. that's 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 the day job. But um, one of the things that I did actually uh, during that that period of time was to. To have a conversation with um, another uh, student union president, um, whose name is Jason Jackson. So he was um, the president at uh, London Met, okay. um, and during my time within the student union, one of the benefits was the opportunity to visit uh, different places, uh, speak to other leaders. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason was one of those individuals that I, uh, I I started to to speak to, formed a good working relationship with, mm-hmm. and um, Jason always had this vision um, about. You know, making making people realize the opportunities that were in Africa, and we used to, you know, talk about that. Um, you know, whenever we met up for conferences, mm. and it's more of a, of a shared vision that we we constantly had conversations about this. But there was it was just a conversation. Um, so he reached out to me uh, probably like maybe two two years ago, mm. um, and he was he basically said, you know, let's start this. Um, and he had had conversations with other other individuals as well, and. Mm. Um, we ended up basically, um, I think it was around here actually, um, going going for drinks and be, Jason was saying, let's start this club uh, to invest in Africa. Um, mm. And I was 100% uh, in because um, I've always been passionate about about Africa and African mm. development. Um, and I just saw this as a way to actually um, move away from the words and actually start doing the doing because uh, mm. that, that, that's the key thing for, mm. for me. Um, so uh, myself, Jason... And um, uh, six other individuals uh, set up the Africa Investment Club, um, probably like a year and a half um, ago now. Um, and the key thing for us is basically to ensure that people understand that, you know, although Africa has got all of these challenges that you hear in the media, mm. there's plenty of opportunities both from uh, a people side and also from an in, like economic investment uh, side as well. Mm. So what we're trying to do is essentially 
you know, put a mark in the sand uh, and prove a point to say that, yes, there are challenges in Africa. Mm. However, you know, if we work together, so people here mm. and actually go over there, mm. yes, it's going to be challenging, mm. but, uh, you know, there are opportunities there that we, we can highlight. Um, and since since our inception, um, we did a lot of work as an organization trying mm. to figure out exactly like how we would work together. Because obviously, if you're bringing like eight people who haven't really worked to, together, mm. um, you know, you need to kind of form that that team. Mm. So I think the, the at the start, it was more about, you know, how, how do we work together? What's the organization uh, about? Mm. And then after a period of time, we then started to look at, OK, what are the opportunities that are out there? Um, and the first opportunity we, we wanted to do was more the tourism side of uh, things, um, mm. again, to highlight the beauty of Africa. Mm. But as soon as we, uh, you know, had the business plan, had the funds, COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was, it was terrible because obviously you couldn't do much. Um, so we basically had to park that, that business idea and look at what other opportunities um, were out there. Uh, and fortunately, we found uh, an individual who was looking to, to lease their land uh, and we started an agricultural business uh, in the Volta region in, in Ghana. Mm. So that's kind of been where, where, where we are right now. But um, I think I was mentioning to you earlier, one of the things that we're actually trying to do is now move to more asset management. Um, okay. So this is kind of the next stage in our journey. So that's a very long introduction yeah, yeah. in terms of what, what I'm doing, but that's mm. kind of like where we are right now. Yeah. And that's really interesting. One of the key things you said about, you know, changing the perception on how people see Africa. And, you know, there's a lot of negative things that are out there. Yeah. But I recently went to actually went to Nigeria mm-hmm. after like not being there for about 20 years. I was born here and then I went there, grew up in and went to school till I was about six. And then I came came here to the UK yeah. um, to just study and, and be educated here. And going back... Or the, I, I do see why people tend to have a negative perception because there are, some of the things are justified, if we're honest, mm-hmm. in terms of some of the negative things you see. But a lot of the th- things I saw in terms of perhaps the culture or the mindset and certain problems, and I always I saw that, it's, especially us talking to the people who lived there, they always mention, in Nigeria anyway, that they don't feel like the government is doing its job to make sure that the society fulfill their potential. Mm-hmm. Some of them express things like um, some of the high barriers to entry and starting businesses. This is Nigeria. There could be different different parts of Africa have different you know problems. But mm-hmm. they mention how you know you know the C word you know corruption and all of this stuff. Yeah. But one thing I did see which was really positive is there's a lot of entrepreneurial individual, individuals, very smart people, very sharp people. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? If we really start to invest in these people, like as entrepreneurs, as individuals who, you know, we've been fortunate enough to grow and develop in, in these Western country, yeah. countries where opportunities that exist here might not exist as much over there. There's just so much, there's so much that we could achieve. Mm. And I think a lot of people who, um, you know, are put off by doing business there or, or investing there, um, I think it requires pioneers who are willing to break the ground. You know, I want you to talk a little bit about the challenges you faced, mm-hmm. which might put some people off from going there in the first place and investing and how you've overcome that. Yeah. Um, because I think if people understand that there are rewards that come as a result of overcoming those challenges and persevering, mm-hmm. it will encourage more people to 
take that journey, especially people from African backgrounds, yeah. to take that journey into saying, you know what, you know, I've succeeded to some level here. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been educated. I know what I'm doing. And maybe it's time for me to go and like invest in where I come from, like my, mother, my motherland. And that's something I definitely want to do one day. I've told my brother that I, I want to do something for the young people of this generation. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to go about it yet. I'm still learning about how to navigate the space. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just want you to elaborate a bit on perhaps some of the challenges you've encountered yeah. and how you've gone about overcoming them mm. as part of setting up the Africa Investment Club. Yeah, but before that, I think let's just unpack some of this stuff that you said, right? Mm. Particularly around uh, the perception of Africa. Mm. So for example, like I think... One of the things that we all say within the club, right, is about mm. what is the narrative that, mm. say, for example, Africa uh, is telling or the, the narrative that is told about Africa from mm. other people, right? Mm. Now, if you look at America, right, the mm. narrative that is told about America is, you know, the land of dreams, the yeah. American dream, yeah. right? There's still corruption there. Of course. Because humans live there and mm. that's part of human nature, right? Mm. We're, we're, we're all, you know, have this sinful, you know, nature, mm. right? And just because... Yeah, so it happens in Africa, it happens mm. in America. Absolutely. But what is being told, yeah. right? It's that that's the thing that you kind of need to kind of like look at, right? Because mm. America has got a good story, mm. right? They can sell a good story. Mm. There's so much beauty in Africa mm. which is not exposed because the first thing that you think about is, yeah. you know, poverty, hunger, corruption, mm. right? So we're trying to flip the script and actually say, Yes, those things exist, mm. right? We're not we're not blind to those things, mm. but actually, th- there's so much more, mm. right? There's so much more. I think beauty overcomes some of the the, the challenges that Africa has, right? Mm. So that's kind of like what we're trying to do, and I think one of the th- things that you've you've mentioned was around like the the innovation uh, that is you know with with within Africa. Like if you look at Nigeria, for example, like in the crypto space, mm. although the government have, have banned that and all that mm. type of stuff, but you still have people who are you know, pioneers in, in that industry, right? Mm. And yes, you know, there's these barriers and all that type of stuff, but there's still people doing doing quite a lot of work to to, 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 to move out of, uh, you know, their current situation. So I think the, the first thing is to realise that, yeah, the, the, there are challenges, mm. right? And I think in terms of the, the, the entry into the market, into like African markets, for us, yes, it's been challenging. Mm. So one of the key things that we did in terms of to, to enter into the market was to, to look at who is on ground that can help us, right? Mm. So fortunately, we've got um, two individuals uh, within the, the, the group that are for Ghanaian heritage. Mm. And we basically picked Ghana because, you know, it's, it's telling the, the story that, you know, Ghana is open for business, you mm. know, you've got things such as the year of return. So we basically looked at that and said, okay, let's 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 do let's do something in in Ghana. Mm. And one of the, the the key things was around finding those individuals that can help us do that. And we're fortunate to do that. Um, but yes, we face challenges, right? Mm. So I think there's two challenges. There's an organisational challenge, which I kind of alluded to at the start, where it's about how do we as eight individuals work mm. together to kind of create a business mm. in another continent. Um, you know, that was kind of like. Uh, that was that brought about its challenges, right? So there was there was that, but through working together, through airing any concerns, we were able to kind of create the create the business plan and start to execute. But then, then, then there was the actual challenge of actually, okay, we set up the business. Mm. How do we work with uh, individuals? Because 
to be honest, like, so I was born in Zimbabwe, but I spent pretty much the majority of my life here. Mm. And um, two of the individuals were born in Italy, then mm. came here. And then, like, I think the rest were, I think Jason was born in Nigeria, but the rest of the, the, the group was born in, in the UK. Mm. But we spent most of our time in UK, right? So the Western way of doing business is kind of like what we, what we know, mm. which is different to, to how you do business in Africa. And at the start, that was that was challenging to to, to navigate around that. Mm. And I, th- I think I said um, before to you, it was around, you know, the there were certain things that we, we, the mistakes that we made at the start, right? And I think it was good that we made those mistakes because um, we're starting off, and once we get to you know, you know, other opportunities, we'll know like how to do do business. Mm. But I think you know, it's simple things like you know, knowing each other's expectations from the start mm. so for example like uh with a farm manager um when it's at the beginning we basically just used to give money and not really not really understand exactly where the money was going yeah and then that ran into a number of problems so then we started to say actually you need to evidence why you're purchasing this you know simple things right yeah, we, yeah. we basically start from scratch mm. and because we're able to put those um processes in place mm. it helped us to, to kind of like make sure that we were both we we're all on the same page mm. uh in terms of the group and um the farm manager mm. so there was there was there were those challenges but i think as i said at the beginning right what we're trying to do is to highlight that although there are those challenges mm. right you can still make it in business in africa and mm. it's not about financial reward for us although yes you want to make a profit but it's more about actually saying to people within the diaspora that there are these opportunities mm. that people should actually to uh go to africa and uh capitalize on them mm. yeah um there's a lot of stuff there i think one of the things that i think will be very key in enabling people to have that attitude or change of mind that you know what there is a lot of opportunity in Africa to mm. invest, to create positive impact and to have a return on investment as well. Because face it, a lot of business people, that's what they look at yeah. in terms of where, when they think of where to invest. Um, when I, one thing that I did see in Nigeria is I saw a lot of investment, but foreign investment actually, like especially in the areas of, uh, I think a lot of it was, yeah, agriculture, like what you're in, but other industries as well. And I had a few people who were tour guides with me saying, look, by the way, these, this whole piece of land is owned by people from Spain. This, this piece of land is owned by people from China, these people. I'm like, wow. So there are a lot of people who are capitalizing on certain opportunities that are there. Yeah. So clearly the opportunity is there and we just need to be more, you know, particularly people from our backgrounds who that's our home, mm. be more aware of these opportunities and capitalize on them, not, necessarily from a, a place of we want something for ourselves but we're trying to make sure that the next generation coming up yeah. you know have the best possible possible future and can look at us as an inspiration and say you know what if this can happen in my home turf yeah. then there's hope for the future because um yeah i just one thing that did really it's quite it does get disheartening especially when i went there and i saw everybody around me was just the people who lived there was just saying look that a lot of them were pessimistic. They were like, look, I've got so many business ideas that I want to start, yeah. but there's a, there's so much competition and there's not, they're saying there's not enough support from the government to 
help youngsters or people who are aspiring entrepreneurs to really start stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really think that people like yourself, people like the African Investment Club are very needed, especially as pioneers, mm-hmm. as the first people who are really venturing into this type of thing um, in the modern age anyway, um, to inspire more people to come, yeah, to come yeah. forward. Um, on the topic of like this thing that I heard about, you know, leaders within Africa, you know, supporting this new move of, you know, creating a better narrative about Africa. Mm-hmm. What do you think they could do to perhaps help that, to help people and to change that perception? Or do you think there's anything they can do to make it better? Do you think they should be doing more or mm-hmm. do you think they're doing enough? What's your view yeah. on that? So I think I think there's a lot that the African leaders uh, should be doing to, mm. to, to, to improve the narrative of uh, of, of African countries, right? Mm. So I think there's there's a number of things that they could and should be doing actually. Mm. So for example, transparency is is key, right? Mm. So I think people demonstrating that you know these are the opportunities that are available in in, mm. in Africa. Mm. I think that that needs to that needs to happen a bit more. Mm. Um, also, lo- looking at the young people, because I think mm. the, the the issue of Africa, you've got like ninety year old presidents, right? And it's <laughs> it, it always grinds my gears because it's like they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave <laughs> office, and I'm, it just does not make sense, right? Yeah. You need new blood, you need yeah. new fresh ideas, right? So I think creating a pathway for because, like you said, there's so many like young Africans that have got so many ideas, right? Mm. But because they're held back because of whatever reason, and mm. you've got people who are staying in positions for way too long mm. past their retirement age mm. i think that's a that's a that's a key thing the other thing also i think is about how best to connect with people within the diaspora right because you've got like say the year of return that's mm. like that's the big thing that i know about but there's no other i don't know of other countries there may be but i don't i don't know and i'm in this space kind of thing mm. so i think highlighting the fact that these things are, are there and figuring out how best to connect with the diaspora because if you connect someone from say the US the UK mm. and basically get them there mm. right then they create this com- uh, these conversations with other people there then they invest money and then it breeds this like momentum where people are coming back to, to Africa mm. for the opportunities to you know make money but also to to uplift societies because I think you know there's quite a lot in terms of the development space that you know the diaspora can be can be involved with, right? And I think it's those those are some of the ideas um, or you know things that I think that African leaders should be doing. Mm. Um, but I think you know people are starting to realize this, mm. um, and it's a journey, right? And I think you know, you know Rome wasn't built in a day, um, and if we carry on towards that trajectory where we say there's beauty in Africa, there's mm. opportunities in Africa, mm. open the door, mm. then in a few years' time, you know, more people would do it and then we'll, we'll get to where, you mm. know, Singapore is, right? Because if you look at Singapore mm. before, it was, it's not where it was yeah, now, of course. right? So, like, it's just a matter of, you know, continuing to, like, say these things and then doing them and then demonstrating to others. Because I think, like, they say, you know, like... Um, success as many as many like uh uh i don't know what the saying is but probably need to cut this out <laughs> success is it something about success has many fathers or something like that yeah some, something like that f- I can't, yeah I can't um yeah. but but the the, the the premise is basically like the more successful the 
things are, mm. the more people are going to engage with it, right? Of course, um, of course. But if you don't even start, how can you even demonstrate yeah, yeah. success, yeah. right? So we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to create that 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 movement, and mm. that's what the Africa Investment Club um, uh, is looking to do. Mm. Mm. Really important work there because, yeah, I think there are so many people that I know who are successful, you know, black entrepreneurs or like successful in some sort of way. And I think we need to point almost like, the, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, you said you mentioned you wanted to do something where you speak more in schools and inspire the up and coming generation yeah. because there's this narrative around, you know, black people are mainly famous for creative things like music, dance or, yeah. you know, whereas there are a lot more people in different industries like politics, government and business. Yeah. But I think the spotlight needs to put, be put more on them. And as you mentioned, um, I think there are a lot of people doing really good work, mm-hmm. um, but perhaps the publicity around them isn't as much as it is on those who are in other industries like, that I just mentioned, like the arts. Yeah, but um, but yeah, um, I think we can we can move on. I want I want us to draw a comparison between perhaps how politics is here mm-hmm. compared to how it is there. So, for example, we mentioned about some of the leadership and how the democratic processes that are involved in both countries. So, for example, one country somehow within the system, mm-hmm. some presidents or prime ministers can stay for a time beyond you know, what is seemed reasonable. Yeah. And that lack of fresh blood it leads to perhaps those countries lagging behind and some other countries who have perhaps more systems that allow that fresh blood to come in more regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, like here, for example. Um, what would you say on both angles that both continents can learn from one another? So say, for example, what would you say Europe can learn from Africa and what would you say Africa can learn perhaps from Europe? So if we see there's certain things going well here and certain things going well in Africa and certain things that aren't going well here and certain things that perhaps aren't going well there. So Mm -hmm. if they did a swap on certain resources or certain mindsets or certain systems, Mm -hmm. what would you say those things would need to be? Those Mm -hmm. things that would need to improve on Mm -hmm. both angles, just from your experience, because I know you work within the civil service here and you encounter the challenges here as well. and you're familiar with perhaps some of the challenges in Africa too. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. But mm. I think probably what I would say first and foremost, right, is um, it's very difficult to do a like-for-like comparison between, say, Af- African democracy and European democracy. Because mm. if you look at the two, um, I would say Africa has got weak democratic institutions, which is why you have some of the corruption, right? Whereas, mm. say, for example, here, the democratic institutions are very strong, right? Mm. So if an MP does something, they mm. know that they've got, you know, they'll be held to account by by parliament. Yeah. There's the judiciary, which is independent. Whereas in Africa, that's not always the case because mm. of these weak democratic institutions. And if you look at why that's the reason, mm. say, for example, the American democracy, right? It was built in the 1700s, 1800s. Whereas mm. if you look at some of these African countries, some of them gained independence, what? 50, 60 years ago. So it's very difficult to do that comparison. So I think what we need to do as uh, as Africans is basically try and make sure that we are building those expectations so that our democratic institutions are as strong as they can be, right? And um, there's there's, this young African, I can't remember his name, but 
one of the things he started is is um, the African University, and what he's what he's basically doing is um, getting African uh, individuals from different countries and basically putting them into university, but specifically talking about leadership. Mm. So what he's trying to do is basically build a generation of leaders mm. and to go back into their the different countries mm. so that they've got like the, the, the skill set to become leaders because it, yeah. leaders um, are not, you know, leaders are selfless, mm. right? Whereas right now you've got quite a lot of selfish <laughs> leaders yeah. in Africa, right? So be, be, doing programs like that really, mm. really does help. But like I'll, I'll be hesitant to kind of like do that comparison between Africa and Europe or mm. Africa and America mm. because of you know we're not starting at the same yeah. you know it, it, it's, 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 it's different mm. um, but I think our, our focus should be on building up the democratic institutions mm. um, because that is if you've got that, that foundation right mm. there's absolutely nothing that can stop us right mm. we can be as competitive as so Rwanda can be as competitive mm. as China mm. you know Mozambique can be as competitive as Belgium, mm. right? But we just need to make sure that those democratic institutions mm. are rock solid, mm. right? And then that can will, will help us. Mm. That's a very good response. And one thing I was thinking of, I will touch on what you spoke about, about that guy who was creating a generation of leaders because yeah. I think the right leadership is very important. And I have a few notes here which I want to talk about. But before we get to that, mm. so there are a lot of people who possess like pessimistic views on things changing in that sort of way in, in Africa in terms of the democratic process improving. Um, I've met a lot of those people. Um, so in a system where it's so rife that things are just, it's almost become a standard of how things should be. Mm -hmm. um, say for example, where I come from, I can only speak for where, where I come from, yeah. um, Nigeria. Um, where the problem is so rife, where it's become the norm for these things to happen, how do we even start? Like, where do we even begin to approach that kind of change? Because some people who normally, when people raise up a, a voice or some sort of protest, you see that, you know, for example, there was one protest that was going on in Nigeria recently, and a whole bunch of people were killed mm. um, as a result of it. And, you know, I was speaking to my brother about it, who was on the grounds while it was happening, and he said, that they tried to the government itself tried to cover it up and mm -hmm. say it didn't happen, but then footage was released and it went viral on social media. So then they said, "Oh, okay, some people were killed. We made a mistake." Mm -hmm. So, like, for I'm just speaking for the minds of those people who are thinking, "Yeah, that's a very good response you just gave on mm -hmm. what we need to do." But where do we start? And and uh, like, you might not have the answer. I appreciate it. You know, it's a very complex topic. But yeah, just from your view, where do you think we could go about starting to? Mm -hmm just overcome that problem and, and, and create that solution you just mentioned about, you know, the, improving the democratic process. Mm -hmm. So I, my first response is the youth is the future, mm -hmm. right? So if we can get, a, a, if we can get to the minds of uh, young Africans, right, to show them, like, you know, I think his name is Fred Swanika. Um, that, that's the individual that's, that, that has created this university. Mm -hmm. If we can get to the minds of young Africans to show them, you know, the benefits, right? If you compare the two systems, right? Because, mm -hmm. and I think, I think young Africans have started to, 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 to re, you know, to see that the system as it is, mm -hmm. is not, is not working. Because say, for example, look at the SARS, SARS movement in Nigeria, right? It's the youth basically that are saying, actually, no, we don't, 
we, we don't prescribe to this way of living, right? Mm. So if we can create that, um, if we can engage young people, right? Because those those are the people that are going to be the leaders of, in in years to come. Yeah. If we can do that correctly and in the right in in the right way, mm. I think we will start to see we'll start to see a change. Mm. And I think also the diaspora has got a, a part to play here, right? Because if we as people that are of African or, or you know we've got an African background, mm. if we start to pay attention to some of the things that happen and start to vocalize it because we've got a voice right and it's not it's not good enough for us to say well that yeah that's happened in africa mm. you know it will never it will never change right mm. so we have got a role to play in terms of using using the resources that we have the voices that we have here to actually you know highlight some of the things that are happening there mm. what what is stopping you know you me going to to, to, our, to our mp and lobbying mm. them to to say something in parliament about you know whether it be whatever's happening in Zimbabwe, whatever mm. happened in, in Nigeria, mm. there's nothing stopping us, right? So mm. we've got we've we've got a responsibility within ourselves, and I think if we don't say anything, like not, nothing, it, well, if we don't say anything, I think the the rate in which change will take place will not be as it is if we say something, basically. Mm. So I think we've got a role to play, um, but I think it should be us engaging African young Africans mm. um, first and foremost I mm. think and I think also one of the things I was going to say is actually if you as a diaspora because we've grown up in a western environment we have to be careful not to uh, you know import western solutions mm. um, because you know the African problems which have African solutions mm. right so I think it's not, you know, when we go over there, and I, I think that's one of the key things that we had a discussion when we're setting up the African Investment Club to, was to actually say, yes, you know, we've grown up in this Western society, but mm. that's not how you do business in, in Africa, mm. right? So you have to kind of like look at how that business is done in Africa mm. and see how you can work with, with the system. Mm. But obviously you can make make, make those improvements mm. but to go over then to say actually no what you're doing is wrong mm. this is how you do it yeah, that's yeah. not the way forward yeah, because yeah. there's different it's, it's, it's more complex than that yeah. so that's that's a roundabout way to say there's, there's various things that we can do mm. Um, mm. but yeah yeah I think usually when companies are expanding their operations and going into new territories often what they do is they will have leadership that they ex that they export to those locations like a leader but then they usually hire local because they understand more yeah, the needs exactly. of the area locally yeah. and tend to obviously have more passion as well. And they're not as naive. They know what, you know, the, what basically the actual area and the yeah, grounds yeah. look like, which, which will make their work a lot more effective. Um, yeah, we can talk on this forever, but um, I did want to touch on that thing of leadership. So there's one scripture that I put down, which is just about what I think um, just generally on how nations respond to good leadership and bad leadership and some of the characteristics of good leaders and the type of leaders we need. Um, so even just what that guy's doing in trying to raise a generation of leaders, what we want to do at Heaven Revolution is, for those who are listening, is if you're aspiring to be a leader in some sort of way, mm -hmm. the qualities you should aspire to embody within yourself um, and these are the things we aspire to as you know believers as Christians 
to walk in the spirit and to manifest these characteristics because this is what creates the culture of heaven on earth the way you live your life first of all mm -hmm. and the values you promote through the things you do and the things you say and yeah i'll just read the scripture before I continue speaking so it's found in proverbs 29 verse 2 and it says when the righteous are in authority the people rejoice but when a wicked man rules the people groan mm. so a lot of things that we see in society do stem from bad leadership on all levels and not just politically but business wise yeah. you know and in other areas and i think a lot of the solution um is centered around good leadership and i think some of these things that i'm going to read out now embody what the mind or what goes on in the mind of a good leader is so it's seen in philippians chapter 4 verse 8 and it says finally brethren he's talking to a church or mm -hmm. a group of people who are believers and he's saying these are the ways they should think the things they should think on he says finally brethren whatever things are true whatever things are honest whatever things are just whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think of these things and i really believe when there are a generation of people you mentioned the youth mm -hmm. who are the up and coming and future generation if they think on on these things and they really prioritize this as a way of life yeah and that feel, and that um goes into their style of leadership what we'll see is we'll start to see a more just system mm -hmm. and we will see you know a more righteous system and that will lead to then peace and prosperity the civil unrest we see in many of these nations including here but we're mainly focused on africa right now is a result of obviously dissatisfaction with the current system and how you know, people see it as unjust and unfair, as maybe benefiting a few people. Yeah. But for the masses, it's really causing harm. Um. So, so yeah, I really believe that we need that generation of leaders, mm -hmm. people who operate with integrity, people who are willing to defy what the status quo is. You know, if the status quo is, you know, we think about ourselves first and the people after, a strong leadership or a strong generation of leaders need to arise that are walking contrary to that narrative mm -hmm. um yeah um that was what i wanted to talk about i mean that was what i wanted to say in terms of what i think will solve the problem mm -hmm. and you've already touched on some of those things but i suppose the final question i wanted to put to you is how do we i mean alongside what your friend is doing in developing an african university mm -hmm. what more can we do people who are from here mm -hmm. to raise that type of generation um, coming up amongst the youth. Yeah. So yeah, actually, I, he's not my friend. I I just know him. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, so I think um, I think one of the things is um, the good thing about leadership or what the good leaders, right? Right. They they know what they need to do, mm. but the I think what separates them, right, is they they do the doing, mm. right, instead of just the same. Because you can, as a leader, you can say X, Y, and Z, mm. but if you don't follow up on what you're saying then there's no point you're just mm. wasting words right and if you look at say for example like the early church right mm. it was their actions that distinguished them exactly. from everything everything else right mm. it was like why are they doing that like what 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 is it about what is it about what they're doing right mm. that that everyone was questioning like they just do things differently mm. right and i think that's one of the things that we need to do as you know say for example people here is like mm. we know how well you know you could read books in terms of leadership right but you actually have to demonstrate and put put that into into practice mm. um 
because I think there's just not enough, not, not enough of that happening mm. like in our world. Mm. So I definitely think it's it's, it's action, mm. right? And I think just going back to the African Investment Club, myself, Jason, the other members, mm. we we would, we could have had these conversations between ourselves, right? And it could have just been conversations, mm. but we basically said, okay, let's let's try it. It mm. may not work. Mm. It's gonna. It's definitely gonna be challenging. Mm. We're definitely gonna make mistakes, and we definitely have made mistakes, and it definitely has been challenging. Mm. But we started something, right? Because the reason why me and you are here is because we started to do something, mm. right? Because if we were just me, Jason, and others were, were talking, we wouldn't be having this conversation mm. here, right? So I think it's for me. I'd rather you try something, right, to help Africa and you know promote African development. Then just talk about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things we do at Heaven Revolution is we create enterprises to solve the problems we see in society mm. or we spotlight people who are creating those enterprises, um, which is absolutely key. And one word I just wanted to give to the audience was just about the source of the characteristics I mentioned, so the fruit of the Spirit. I think when we have a generation of people who walk according to the fruit of the Spirit, which are them, those things I mentioned about, you know, just being just, being having integrity and, you know, operating from a place of loving the nation that you're here leading, mm. um, is they need to understand that the source is God. To be able to do those things is, is to have that relationship with God fundamentally because that leads you to... Because there's going to be a lot of things that are trying to influence you one way or another. Yeah. It could be if you say you... You know, I think the lights just switched off, um, but we've got lights here anyway. Yeah. Um, I think the source of any amount of strength needed to be successful in turning the tide, because let's face it, it's quite a, it's, it's a really hard task. It's a difficult mm -hmm. one. I think people need to understand that if they want to turn the tide, it will take something bigger than themselves. Because yeah, we can have these solutions, but if we don't have the backing of God and we've not got him as the central piece of why we're doing what we're doing and mm -hmm. having his leadership and his guidance in it, we can try it and we may go far, but I think we will fall flat on our face because there are certain things these people have backing them that mm -hmm. are beyond physical. Yeah. Um, some people don't understand this. Some people don't even think of it. They just think what we see on TV is what, what it is. But there's a lot of things that go on in the background. Yeah. And we need that spiritual backing as well as the physical side mm -hmm. and backing it as well. Um, but yeah, I think on what we also do, just to as we conclude, is yeah. I usually wait on God as well mm -hmm. um, for any guests that we're having on the show and allow God to usually speak to me concerning their situation or as a word of encouragement, basically. Yeah. Um, and really the word that God was giving me for you is just to say that God really wants to use you mightily, but you need to shed, there's some weight. You see, anything that God wants to use us to do, there's a sacrifice to pay for us to go into the fullness of whatever that, whatever that thing is. Yeah. So what he's saying to you is, you need to shed the weight of whatever is holding you back. So it means lifestyle changes that will align your heart more to manifest the culture of the kingdom of heaven. We all have to do this and we're all continuing to do this in our own life. Yeah. And he says, you'll be great in his kingdom according to the level of your surrender to him. Mm. And this is obviously a very sacrificial process and I'm still going through it. Everybody's still going through it. Yeah. But it's just God reaffirming that message. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing was, you've, you've desired this you know, intimacy with God for a long time. 
And now you definitely need to make those sacrifices necessary to achieve that next level of intimacy. And God is always close. But what we need to realize is our sensitivity to understand that he is close mm-hmm. depends on, you know, basically our surrender to him. Yeah. And, you know, God wants friends in leadership in every nation on earth. He wants people who will have a relationship with him and through that relationship have that good form of leadership that will help nations to flourish in the way he wants them to. And uh, there is a manual that we've written called the Destiny Challenge. Mm -hmm. And I can share that with you because it really um, is the spirit of our movement. And it's something that I revisit from time to time to help me and keep me on the straight and narrow because there's so many things that are influencing us and taking our time. Yeah. But I think when we pause to meditate and ponder and think, it really, you know, helps in some Mm -hmm. sort of way. Um, Just before we close, is there a final word you have for the audience or, or... to, to add or in any way yeah I mean first and foremost I just want to thank you for, for the opportunity and just uh, so to say that what you're doing mm. is actually like the critical thing that kind of will help will help us in terms of move society in, in the right direction so I just want to thank you for, mm. for that um, and I suppose like in terms of you know the, the, the only thing I would, I would say is you know there, there are so many opportunities out there right mm. and I think I think, I think you, what you said in terms of me, I think mm. we all, there's always things that are holding us back. Mm. And I think if you go to God, mm. you know, everyone's got a situation. Mm. Um, and I think what you've just said to me kind of like reinforces that. If, if you go to God to say, these are the issues, mm. you know, working with God, you can you can achieve literally anything that, mm. that you've got your, on your mind, mm. but not for your glory. For his glory. For his glory. Of course. So um, that... Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely what the Bible says. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. There's one quote I will end on is, um, there was one guy who he had so much to do one day, I don't know who it was, um, that he said, I have so many things that I need to do today that I'm going to have to pray for even longer. Logically, Mm. we're thinking, what? You need to cut down your time of prayer so you can have more time to do the thing. But he realised he had it the right way, whereas he needs more grace to be able to do what he does in even less time. That's one thing I find is, I've struggled with it for a long time, is that I think that I need more time mm. in my own strength to do what I need to do. But really, I just need to surrender it more to God and I achieve a lot more in less time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to thank you for attending the podcast and we will definitely have you soon in the future. Yeah. And yeah, thank you so much again. Thank you. God bless you. You too.